Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Hello, welcome to the Square Ball Podcast, episode 140. I'm Dan Moylan. With me, no Michael Normanson this time, so we welcome our special guest from Planet Football, Rob Conlon. Hello, thanks for having me. And Moscow White. Daniel Chapman, you've not gone anywhere. No, thank you for having me as well. I like this new polite intros that we have when Michael's not here. And Rob's brought youth, he's brought good looks, and we're basically now cutting the wheat from the chaff. It feels like we're getting rid of Michael today. It's glad that this is an audio medium and not a visual one, I think. You're a beautiful young man. Don't you ever let anybody tell you otherwise. Quick word on our summer special. That's now sold out, the physical copies. Apologies for not getting a reprint. There's been quite a lot of demand, but we've done the maths on it. And if we wanted to get a reprint, we'd basically have to commit to about another thousand copies, which is terrifying before we'd even start to break even. So unfortunately, there won't be any more physical copies. We'll do a bigger print run for the next special that we do. That seems to make sense. Uh, Otherwise, you can get the digital version, which is available on the website as our subscriptions for this forthcoming season. You can find all of it, squareball.net. Well, the game's coming thick and fast. Since we last spoke to you, there have been not one, not two, but three games, uh, including a couple in Australia. Don't know if you heard. It was quite a big deal. Certainly the pre-match stuff before the scum one was provided by MUTV, which was a, a bit disappointing. I, I did enjoy their commentators quite a lot. I've only, I only heard their second half commentators when there were references to that tackle was what you might call traditional leads was one and uh, all sorts. Oh yeah, and when Stuart Dallas got his eye scratched out by whoever it was on the way past, um, accusing him of being down and milking it. I was going to get my dad on to speak about his trip down under. The potted highlights of it are that we've not quite ever crossed over at a time where we can record it. He moaned about being charged £8 for a pint in Perth. Yes. And uh, when we were trying to arrange a a trans-Pacific... Global. Trans-global. Trans-global. Because there's a lot of seas between here and there. Trans-global link-up. We never quite made it. Like we agreed, I said, uh, only ring me on WhatsApp between these hours and these hours, then we could record it. Uh, Other morning, I woke up to a phone call, 2.28 in the morning. 2.28 in the morning. Did he have a good time? He did have a good time. He's still there and he's enjoying Sydney a great deal. Did he get a free t-shirt? It might have been £8 for a pint, but they threw out a lot of free t-shirts. Yes, he did. Good. And he's bringing it back. It's worth it then. Do you want a free t-shirt, Rob? What size is it? How big is your dad? Too big for you, baby. Too big for you. What do you reckon to this Australia tour then? Can we take anything out of that Man United game? There was a little bit of uh, nicker wetting on on social, wasn't there, about that? Rob, are you panicking yet? 
Yeah, people do get really worked up about this, didn't they? I've really enjoyed this summer until the football started and then Twitter's suddenly become a really horrible place again. But, I mean, if we'd have won, I'd have probably taken something out of it, but because it was 4-0, absolutely not. I mean, if you ignore the fact that we couldn't score and we were really looked very, very short at the back, I actually thought we played really well. We seemed to pass it about a bit, create a few chances, and then uh, you just ignore what actually happened in either penalty box. I thought it was a positive showing. It looked like exactly what it was, which was that our players had played an hour against York and then got on a plane and flown halfway around the world to play a top, what is it, like 10? They were like top 10 last year, weren't they? Man United? Yeah, ish. Top 15, let's say. Uh, Premier League team that cost millions and have been out there, had already played a game and done training camps so were completely settled in and acclimatised and a barely fit pre-season Adam Forshaw versus... <laughs> a strong Paul Pogba was only ever really going to go one way. And it went, it went that way. So it did seem that the glitz around it was noticeable that it was all the fire. I mean, kickoff was delayed by about 10 minutes for the fireworks and stuff and the constant uh, rotation of glory, glory, Man United, which as soon as that stopped and the game started was replaced by lead songs, which is wonderful. So everybody who was there, that came through. Thank you. And it was definitely, it felt, very much like we were just there for Man United to play against and get some fitness. If we'd been a Premier League team uh, at this point ourselves and have, you know, we'd spent Aston Villa money on new signings, it might have been different. But as it was, probably same as what would have happened if we got drawn against them in the League Cup. One of the things my dad was outraged about was the amount of Man United material that you saw across Perth. It was all about their their tour and them and the club. It was Everything was red. He said very little fanfare about Leeds, but... That's kind of reflected in the way that both clubs have handled the uh, the journey out there, which it seems like we're trying to minimise the impact of our journey there, whereas they're kind of just bathing in the filthy money that they're getting for it. Yeah, when they're going, like, there's a big question mark over whether we should fly to the other side of the world for some pre-season matches in the, on this tight schedule. But them lot going a couple of weeks in Australia, then off to Singapore, then another country in the Far East, I forget now, then back to England, then out to Oslo. It's like, it makes us look relatively sane. Any highlights for you, Rob? My sister was actually at this game because she uh, lives in Perth and she did send me a few videos and pictures from it. I particularly enjoyed a very loud rendition of Marching On Together, which then just stopped as Man United was awarded a penalty. That was unlucky. I think that was a good tackle by Liam, that. I think he was just, he was millimetres away from getting that ball. In terms of the football, uh, I can't actually remember his... I thought we had a couple of moments. There were moments when it started to gel and you thought, you forget we're a four, you know, they're a four or five hundred million pound team against... Our lot, their fullback, Wambasaka, worth more than our entire squad. I seem to remember Harrison actually got in behind a few times. He thought, oh, maybe. And then it kind of disappeared. I suppose in games like that, all you want is a goal, just mm. something. But then as soon as they hit the post in like the second minute, I just thought, ah, I should probably do some work now, I think. Like, there were a couple of nice pinged moves, though. There was one, you know, the, the Bamford one in particular. So it showed that we had it in our locker. I think, I don't, I don't think we need to worry too much about that game. No, I wasn't worried at all. Just a bit disappointed that it was against them and but you don't get bragging rights for a pre-season friendly so it's that's not well yeah, I mean you say that I'm uh, going to be laughing for years about our victory at Tadcaster 5-1 well that was the put them back uh, in their box didn't we those uh, arrogant taddies is that what they are the interesting thing about that day was kind of everything that you sort of worried about with the scum match kind of if you took the first teamers that were at Tadcaster and plugged them in you sort of think well we might be alright like Helder Costa looked great. Ben White looked great. Click, level above. Alioski, insane. So it's uh, it's fine. And then Ryan Edmondson with the hat-trick. Jack Clark, 
uh, looks a lot better than he did against Geisley. So there's the the kickback. Well, it was only Taddy Albion, but then Man United fans are probably unfortunately looking at that four 0 when they think, well, they're only Championship team, aren't they? So it's it's the circle of life. I think if you um, look back to this, I know you've mentioned it before in the podcast, but if you look back to this point last preseason, when I mean I remember going to Geisley and watching a back three of Lawrence Debock and Ronaldo Vieira just looking confused, like. Mm. If we look a lot more settled this summer, I know we look a bit short at the back, but I think if you put the two teams together from Man United and Tadcaster, you actually can see what our team is going to look like. Whereas at this point last year, we were like, are we really going to play Ronaldo Vieira as centre-back? Like, is that going to happen? Is Lawrence Debock going to play? I mean, that's not going to happen this year. No, it didn't. And Ben White looks good. I like him. There's a bit of a, I mean, we'll mention Bamford in a minute, particularly against uh, Western Sydney Wanderers, but there's kind of a, I've noticed this kind of, dual mind going on on social media where it's like Ben White can't possibly replace Pontus Janssen because he's too young, he's too inexperienced and he might, every game he's played, the two games, he looks really, really good, but it's only against uh, guys in Tadcaster album. However, Ryan Edmondson, who is even younger, has even less experience, has barely played a first-team game, is absolutely the person to replace Bamford, who is shit, because he scored a hat-trick against Tadcaster Albion. So there's this kind of, there is a, I think we need a team that goes to play Cagliari. I really hope, just to calm everybody down, is a bit of a first-team. So it, maybe it will be Ryan Edmondson up front and we'll, we'll know, but it, we can see White and Cooper and see how that looks and we'll find out is it going to be Douglas or Alioski at left back all those kind of things Helder Costa we've not seen Helder Costa supplying a ball to Pat Bamford that could change everything for Bamford to miss it I mean yeah change everything apart from whether it goes in the net or not regarding Bamford I think he just needs to get that goal to like erase the line of continuity from the back end of last season so he can kind of reset and just go into the new season afresh but if you've listened to Victor Orta talking this week we are using the weapon of continuity, so that's he's just got to carry on as he was. We saw uh, we saw a couple of weapons of continuity, didn't we? Uh, messing it up at the back for us in the form of Casilla and Cooper last uh, last time out. Yeah, with ba- I think I said last week that I don't think Bamford's going to score in preseason. I think he's going to go into the Bristol game with all that conversation on his shoulders of like he really needs a goal and he won't have had it, and it will just have to. Well, he'll just have to deal he'll, with it because, no, as I said last week, he'll score twice against Bristol in a four 0 win. Yeah, and Kimar Roof will just be. Uh, out for the season, probably. Yeah, I did predict he would score against uh, Bristol, so that looks like that might not be the case. Those protective boots are never that encouraging, are they? But loads of encouraging signs, actually. I mean, I know with the best will in the world, Western Sydney Wanderers are not of the highest standard, but it was probably a more uh, clear indication of what things are going to be like for us going forward. Yeah, and Bogus looks really exciting as well. Like, I think we're all sort of waiting for a lot of those young players from last season to come through this year. And he just looks really confident, really exciting. I've not really seen him play before that. And you realise as well, add Bogus in with uh, what looked like a vastly improved Jack Harrison. His decision-making just seems to be that little level higher now. That, and you think Helder Costa, and you think, uh, we're suddenly starting to have these options. Tyler Roberts, when he comes back in, and I know we're kind of poking the continuity with a stick and laughing at it, but it's actually really important because it's something we've not had for years. Yeah, and we were really good last season. That seems to have got been forgotten a little bit with the the sale of Pontus, which is essentially the only problem. Other than that, it's the team that finished third and was very close to finishing second. And the the theory last season, in retrospect, was if we'd signed Daniel James in January, his pace and uh, creative ability on the flank would have got us promoted. We've essentially signed Daniel James version one, the better one, the one that's 
25 instead of a child in Helda Costa. So we've gone and got a player to do exactly what we wanted Daniel James to do. So I think the only the only uh, assumption is that Phil Jones is going to be powering in at the near post for every <laughs> corner that we uh, we face. And we'll never be able to not concede from a corner ever again just because Pontus Janssen is the only defender that can... And I mean, not every team in this division is managed by Neil Warnock. They're not all brilliant at set pieces. So I think we've, we've still got a chance that our really fucking good team with its world-class manager that everybody who doesn't support Leeds thinks is the favourites to win the whole damn division could do all right, like top 10 finish at worst. I think that's the thing because we're favourites though, because we're expectation, we all know what tends to happen like that. Mm, no, but we weren't last year. It was a pleasant surprise last year. But when we got ourselves into the top, that's when it kind of blew up. I think we're fine going into it as favourites this year. I think we're going to win it. Pressure was the problem last year, but we've gone, we've been through it all now. We and, we're, and we're going to have it from minute, minute one of the first game. So it's going to be a constant across the season. And what does Marcelo Bielsa say about failure is that's when you learn the most. If we'd have gone up, we probably would have learned nothing from last season. We may have been promoted, but what would we have learned? Whereas we'll go into this season uh, not all quite as well educated as Pat Bamford, but near, near to it. I don't know if we're trying to convince ourselves or the listener here. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I do think we have kind of forgotten how good we were. The, the end of last season, Wigan, Brentford, even the away leg of the playoff semi-final against Derby, we were brilliant. Like we ruined them 1-0. So I don't, I don't see that the uh, the match against Derby that followed completely erases every quality that this team ever had, and I don't see that selling Pontus Janssen and replacing him with a player who looks, admittedly, it's Tad Caster and Geisley, but looks every inch a Bielsa defender, it, which is like he can't head a ball or tackle, but he'll he'll dribble upfield and score. I feel like that's that could be all right. And Helder Costa is twice the fee and hopefully twice the player that Daniel James was going to be. Hopefully. Well, that's our take on things in Australia. Earlier on today, to allow for the time difference, I caught up with Tyler, who is a Leeds fan and a podcast listener. So thank you, Tyler. Out in Sydney to find out whether he'd enjoyed his weekends. Yeah, I had a great weekend. Um, Pablo kind of helped us out with that. But yeah, I organised the weekend with the missus so I could get to a bit of a fan event in the club and um, New South Wales supporters group put on. So we had Bridges, Dorigo and uh, Paul Bell from the club. Bit of a Q&A session in what's called Cheers Bar in George Street in Sydney CBD. So I went there Friday night. Sounded like there was a bit more fun upstairs away from the Q&A with the Leeds fans rocking. Uh, that was good fun, getting amongst it. Uh, it's definitely an experience we don't get over here. <laughs> We're kind of sitting up at midnight to 3am, depending on uh, kickoff and daylight savings times to try and watch a match. And it's a bit more subdued. Yeah, the vocal Leeds fans are definitely I added to the to the weekend. Saturday, kind of dropped the kids off, did all that sort of stuff you have to get up to, and then went into the commercial hotel in Parramatta, about a 15-minute walk from the stadium. And, yeah, that was magic, just seeing all of the flags, the fans, and, yeah, giving a bit of vocal um, support and banter to the Sydney team and the coppers as they went through doing their little sweeps. But, yeah, it was good fun. And what did the uh, Australian police make of it all, could you tell? Um, obviously I get up and watch some of those, uh, less than legal streams we can catch on Twitter and Facebook live and whatever other websites I can track down sometimes when we're not on kind of pay TV over here. And obviously seeing all those like halftime videos where you got the Leeds fans doing madness from the rafters and all the stuff like that. They were, uh, yeah, I think they're a little, 
a little concerned um, at halftime out at what was uh, Banquest Stadium, but I made sure to get over there and have a bit of a laugh and just watch them. I wouldn't say swarmed, but I would say that they definitely strolled over there a little quicker than normal and, like, it was all in good fun. They didn't kind of go in and break it up or anything like that, but, yeah, I don't think we have that level of support over here with our A-League teams and uh, even the rugby league and stuff like that that we have. It was, a yeah, a bit different for them, but, no, it was magic. It was great atmosphere. And how many do you reckon travelled then, in your estimation? Sitting where I was sitting, I was just in the corner right next to the, the Leeds active end. I sat there because, yeah, I went with my old man who kind of got me into Leeds uh, from a young age and he's kind of had a few health things recently. So I knew he wouldn't be wouldn't be a goer in, in, in the um, active end, as they called it, in case, yeah, the, the goals went flying in. Um, he, he might not survive the limbs and the jumping round. <laughs> but um, oh, I'd say there'd be, yeah, between... I don't know, three, probably 3,000, maybe a bit more. My missus came to the game. She kind of met me in there afterwards. And it was it was good because I kind of hooked up with her, met her just after the brilliant years that we had where, unfortunately, we chased that dream. And then those tropical fish sent us broke. And she kind of gets it now. She thinks I'm mad staying up all night and then being a cranky shit <laughs> the next day. Yeah, she was even in the carriage on the train heading out and it wasn't even the English fans. It was kind of the Australian fans that coming out of the woodworks a bit as well. So, yeah, that, that was a good experience for her. And just for me, like, yeah, just being a part of the build-up, I think, that was some of the, the excitement and good memories that I'll have. Yeah, just the match itself, I think. I wouldn't call it the, the true experience because we actually won that one. But it, <laughs> felt, it felt like a few of the the end of season games that we had there where we were just kind of chance after chance and hitting the post and Bamford kind of being near or not quite near enough. And then, yeah, at least the, the little magician, I've watched that goal a few times since. And from the other angle where the camera picked it up, it was, yeah, a great goal. He's a, he's a freak. I don't know how he's still doing that at not, 34. Not a bad but, effort, um, was it? Not a bad effort at all. No. Nah. <laughs> So talk me through how your dad got in, you into Leeds then. That's an interesting story then, all the way down under. He kind of came across with his parents and uh, family when he was three or four, I think it was. So my grandparents, uh, my granddad was kind of born in Pontefract, lived over there, um, then kind of moved out with a young family out here, chasing whatever it was, better lifestyle or uh, better weather. But yeah, he kind of inherited it from his old man, um, unfortunately, my younger brother is four years younger than me. He's a Liverpool fan, so that hurts a bit. I think the only silver lining is that Milner plays for him still, but, yeah, that's that's a rough weekend for me most days. I probably got into it about when I was seven years old, really started to catch the bug. So I missed, missed the 91-92 the kind of seasons, um, the success. And, yeah, I think like a lot of people over here, they jumped on when the Aussies started playing there. And the, the kind of the European night started to creep in because that's always good over here. You get it on a Wednesday or Thursday morning before you get up for school or, or work. I was, I was actually chatting to someone um, on Friday night talking about one of my favourite memories was uh, we came back from 3-0 down one day, 1-4-3 I think it was. I think Bowie might have scored the winner. And it was just in a, a Premier League game and oh, I was late to school and I got in all sorts of trouble. But <laughs> yeah, I just remember... 
I just couldn't care because I, I had afternoon detentions and all sorts of stuff. But I got over. My mum was giving me a bit of a dressing down for it, and then my old man comes home and goes, "What were you doing? Like, why are you? Why were you late?" And I said, "Oh, I was going to go, but then we well, were three 0 down. Then we got two goals in a few minutes, and I thought oh, I've got to watch this." And he kind of just just laughed and did the kind of told me off in front of mum. But then, but. He goes, oh, did you tape it? Or <laughs> he was hoping I'd tape it for him to watch. So um, I think, yeah, sharing sharing a common love or something with your old man, that's always something nice. But, um, yeah, it was good to have an ally because, yeah, for a long time, it's it's a hard hard act to follow out here because all those kind of flash-in-the-pan fans have all dropped off. And, yeah, most of my mates think I'm crazy because I'm definitely brainwashing my two daughters. Oh, uh, I've got two young girls and – they can do the lead salute. <laughs> so I'm, I'm treating them well. <laughs> Against their will. Yeah, Lee Bowyer, I think you're not the only person to get into trouble because of Lee Bowyer, but that's probably left uh, best left in the past, that one, mate. Um, and finally then, so is it nice just to have leads in your backyard just for once instead of having to uh, do the all-nighter thing? Oh, that's definitely not. I won't forget how I build up even the whole day. Like we don't get that sort of support anywhere in the build up to like the NRL grand final, the rugby league one. Uh, I'm a Manly Warringah fan out here who is as equally disliked as Leeds are. So I must have something uh, in my blood for just not being liked by anyone. Um, <laughs> but even like grand final days, it's just not the same. We don't have that the chance and the banter between fans and even amongst your own fans where you're getting stuck into each other. It's just, it's not the same, but just, just watching the players it's you can see they're a step, they're a step up. Calvin Phillips at the moment, he's probably my favorite player. Just watching how he started last season and kind of transformed into this quality player that could potentially get right up to the top, hopefully with leads definitely win a fair few caps for England, I'd say, because he's definitely in a position that there's not that much quality out there. And he's it's just some of the stuff he did, he pinged a kind of a half volley 60 yards up the field and found the man right on his bootlaces. Yeah, it's a hell of a ball. Like a nice hell of a cheeky, ball. Yeah, like just watching that. And then he did this little cheeky flick up, little dink up over the, the defender and just left him embarrassed in front of everyone. Yeah, he's a lot of quality. And I think we were shooting a few messages back and forth that leading up to the game and you mentioned seeing the shape that the team takes on after Bielsa's kind of come in and worked some some magic with them. And yeah, that was something else, just watching how all the little parts kind of work and the shape's changing as, as they kind of pushing out from the back to, yeah, definitely try and create some of those chances. I will admit I was, I was watching their social media pretty closely trying to see if they'd be about on Friday sightseeing or anything. But I think, yeah, Bielsa's probably sightseeing is low on his list. I think they had two sessions that day of training. So, so I, was, I was a bit hopeful. But yeah, I did say a fair few times to, to friends and other people that support them. I'm just like, I'm jealous. I wish this was every every fortnight in terms of a home game. And then, yeah, my missus even said, I wouldn't see you if we lived in England, would we? <laughs> so I'd say, yeah, I'd, I'd be doing everything I could to get away and see the games as well. Brilliant. And finally then, will we do it this year? Will we do it? I think... I truly am a Leeds fan in that it's just, I just, I'm always nervous. I don't know what it is. It's just everything, always. Even when we're up top leading into Christmas, I was still nervous. But I think if we can add maybe one more quality signing, I can't see why we can't finish in those top two. It's just about that rubber the green 
I mean, mm. the amount of chances we create, we've got to have used all our bad luck last year. <laughs> we're due some luck. Do not bank on it. But you're right to be nervous, spoken like a true Leeds fan. Tyler, an absolute pleasure, mate. I'll let you get back to your dog walk. <laughs> no worries. Thanks. Have a good night. Oh, a good day. So with Michael not here, a little bit of a change to this week's Extra Ball podcast, which is the other podcast that we do. We went to see John Helm, didn't we, Moscow? Commentator, legendary commentator and famous voice of the 89-90 Race to the Title video. Yes, we did. And famous voice of, is it six World Cups? Ten. Ten World Cups. I did him a disservice. He held up four fingers then. Well, I don't have six <laughs> fingers on one hand. I'm not from Norwich. Where's Michael back? <laughs> he does maths too, hey? Now, it wasn't it so enlightening. We were there with him for a couple of hours just chatting to him and the, the unseen powerhouse there uh, was his wife. who was just brilliant entertainment. Force of nature, I would describe her as. Yes, Mrs. Helm answered the door to us um, and claimed immediately that John had just left uh, to go and meet us in Leeds and we stood there floundering saying, but we arranged to meet him here. She's like, oh, well, you better come in while I, I phone him. And who was in the house? Oh my God, how we laughed. And we oh, did laugh. We actually did. <laughs> yeah. We were, we were defeated because she had us on strings, I think is the phrase, isn't it? Yeah. We had a great time talking about stuff like this. It was just the way he did. The, the, the second it left his boot end, you just knew it was on its way in, you know, which is why I think I said, you know, have you ever seen a better goal? Have you ever seen one better timed? I mean, that was the perfect time to score it, wasn't it? So that whole thing, it's an hour and like 40 minutes or more, is on this week's Extra Ball podcast. It's a long one, but well worth a listen. So if you want to hear that, get across to the Extra Ball. And we will be playing out some of the highlights of it on this podcast, on the main feed later on this week. But if you want to support us and get behind us, please get involved with the Extra Ball. And you can try it out for a month for free on ours. It's two ninety nine a month thereafter. It's enabling us to do all this more glorious podcasting. We had a great time with John Helm. So we're going to try and line up some more interviews, aren't we? Yes, and it's good to choose this one as your sample because we don't play Soccer Supremo in it. So we can lull you into the false sense of security that uh, every episode is like this. The board game that is, and it's a good board game. It is a great board game. I'm still enjoying playing it. Definitely not filler, as was uh, an accusation levelled at us. Uh, If you want to get involved with us at The Extra Ball and get behind us, then please do find it at the squareball.net forward slash The Extra Ball. Still no uh, more transfers in, boys. Are we starting to get concerned yet? I'm sort of fine about it. I, I'm kind of, I get so tired of like the clickbait and everything on Twitter. I'm quite happy to just turn up for the first game of the season and see if we have just got children in defence or if we still have Bamford sort of with the weight of the world on his shoulders up front. I'm kind of fine with that. And, you know, it's, we we know what we're getting with Bielsa, so I don't really see why people are just getting so aggravated with everything. Yeah, the, the big link of last week was James Chester, the Aston Villa defender, seven and a half million pounds we might pay for a, 30-year-old defender who has Paul McGrath knees and therefore does not train. It's like, what is Bielsa going to do with that? And there was also, there was another one of uh, Villa trying to offer us cash and I think about three or four players for Calvin Phillips. It's like, what part of Bielsa, he'd probably say, keep the four players and just give me that small amount of cash. Who was it? Tyrone Mings and... James Bree was mentioned. Um, one of them had just signed oh, a new contract, hadn't he, as well? I see. Sorry, I realised Dan oh. was telling a joke there because Tyrone Mings cost them £30 million, didn't he? So they wouldn't be putting him out for... I mean, you, you Can see, I just say thank you for joining those dots eventually? <laughs> you mentioned a Premier League football. I When's don't know Michael when back? Can Michael come back? I mean, he's not You can re- stay, Rob, actually. <laughs> You're fine. So all that stuff. And yeah, so we know we're in for a small squad. There's uh, who else is being linked? Enzo Valentim. Uh, from National Du in France. Uh, that's the league. The club is Reims Du, which is Reims, French for Reims Reserves. 
And um, yeah, I love stuff like this. It's when you realise you've kind of, you feel like you've missed a meeting. Uh, Republic of Ireland under 18 defender Ryan Nolan, who is the captain of Inter Milan's under 23s, because of course he is. Why wouldn't he be? That's very, you've just gone on holiday on Football Manager for like 20 years and it's all just gone a bit weird. The one that does seem to be kicking about still is Ryan Kent, because Bielsa went to watch Bradford versus Liverpool in the friendly and was apparently watching Ryan Kent. So that's still, they've not found a home for him. Klopp hasn't decided if he wants to keep him at Liverpool. But uh, I don't know why we would, we'd need to go for Ryan Kent, who is a winger, because Pavel Chibitsky has come back. Couldn't agree a deal with Elfsborg, so his loan is over and he is back, 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 ready to do the business. Is he good looking enough for our squad these days? That's an interesting point you raise. I feel like we've got a very handsome squad these days. And who was it that sort of flagged off his teeth on LUTV? <laughs> oh, it was... Um, I can't remember who gave it. It was Luke Ayling who wouldn't let them get away with it. So it was unbelievably harsh to give him a secret Santa toothbrush. I wonder why he couldn't settle in Leeds. <laughs> well, he's, uh, he's outlasted Pontus Janssen. Fair point. Seen him off. So even like maybe Brentford won him. There must be some good stats that say. I bet, I bet they got rid of Janssen because he didn't participate in uh, secret Santa. He spent a tenner instead of a fiver. You know, being an ostentatious wanker. <laughs> Heard he was disruptive like that, didn't you? Not specifically at Christmas time, no. The opposite of... Nobody uh, hates Christmas. The opposite of Stuart Dallas taking in Celine Lamrani at Christmas. Maybe it was uh, Pontus Janssen had thrown him out. There's no room in my stable, Celine. Go around to Stuart's house. Feels like we're getting a message of continuity if you read into the words that Victor Orta is quoted with this week. The weapon of continuity. Uh, yes. We're trying to put great value in continuity in football, the continuity blight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. It's, there's five continuities and one continue in one paragraph. And then he, he's asked about it again. And he says, uh, the weapon of continuity is the best weapon for fighting for success. So that's our... Uh, that's what we've got next season. It's good to know we have a weapon and it is the weapon of continuity, which sounds like the sword of justice, the axe of truth, the weapon of continuity, the laser of steel, all this stuff. And um, yeah, it says that we're 90% of the squad uh, we want with the transfer stuff. Um, 90% is close, but obviously it's football in life. The only thing I know is I am going to die. The rest... I'm not sure of. That's very Leeds United kind of mindset. It's a bit Thomas like Christensen. Uh, it's like, and now I look back at this and wonder if this is where, did TC get it from him or did he get it from it's TC? They got along so well at the start. Maybe so. They just used to sit around Thorpe Arch. Oh, we're all going to die anyway. Should we just buy some more under 23s players? But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, weapon of continuity. It's, wasn't it like, um, it sounds like a goth band from the 80s as well. It was like, <laughs> like, I'm sure there was all like, is it, um, Age of Chance and all that kind of stuff. It's very weapon. You're making another continuity. No more references for the kids here. Do, <laughs> do you think, like, if that ninety percent is to be believed, and I know he's probably just saying that as a turn of phrase, but that almost feels to me like maybe one more, or what do you think, two more, Rob? It does feel like there's space for one more. You'd think we we know, like, we was just saying with Bills, so he's not going to go overboard. But you think with Janssen and, and Clark getting money for both of them, there's surely room for one. Where that fits I don't really know you I, I don't really see him buying a defender as much as everyone wants but I remember when you had Filet on the pod he was talking about he likes an extra body in central midfield so maybe that's Romain Sawyers because he keeps getting named doesn't he the, the Brentford guy West Brom sniffing around not mm. quite there yet can he play in defence he's got that kind of defensive midfield vibe hasn't he I'm sure after he's worked with Bielsa for a couple of weeks, he'll end up back there. Because the one thing that does make me wonder, well, the two things that make me wonder, one, if he, is he's, 
he's still going to watch Liverpool play and still watching Ryan Kent. So maybe there's still some interest there. And also that if Pontus Janssen wasn't a planned sale, if it was all it came about when he was he wanted time off in the summer and so they went, right, get rid, we're a body light from the plan, if that's the case. But he'll probably just go, you know, Pascal Stroik's fine. I don't want any more players. But the thing is, we are shedding them as well and freeing up not only wages, but some... They're going to be modest transfer fees, but it's, it all goes into Simon's war chest, doesn't it? Mm. Samu Saiz has gone to Girona. What we reckon? A couple of million, two and a half million there. Hadi Sacco, Oriel Ray has gone to Real Valladolid. And then um, Alex uh, Machuca is doing what the Wenger boys did and he's uh, going to Ibiza. Yeah, it's clearing space. We're still trying to get rid of Vernon Anita, which is kind of a fascinating battle. The, the latest he's been, Panathinaikos wants him but he's won 700,000 euros per season, apparently. So he's now decided he's going to try and get that. That's up from the 400,000 we were discussing last week. I know, it's strange, isn't it? But he's now looking for a move to the MLS where he has had no offers yet. That's the, the latest news on him, which is fascinating. Yeah, he can't negotiate us to cancel his contract either. Apparently that's a bone of contention. So, I mean, this is all put together from various clickbait websites that kind of bring this out. Once a week, you get the Vernon Anita update. And who are still linking us to uh, Benny off of LUTV. Crossroads. Um, <laughs> I think we say Crossroads then. No, it's Benny off LUTV, who is... Uh, Lupe Caicedo, isn't it, or something like yeah, that? Yeah, he's apparently uh, available for transfer, and it's between <laughs> us and Boca Juniors <laughs> for him, because uh, various clickbait websites just either didn't get the memo or just don't care that that whole thing was just people thought the LUTV presenter was Lazio striker, um, but we will be linked uh, with him forever until, until like Victor Orta, we all die. Of course, we don't know what's going on in the background, but I'm slightly surprised that Vernon Anita's not a Bielsa-style player because he's neat, tidy from the Ajax school, can play in a number of positions, but there you go. He's slow and he's got a fat ass. Okay, uh, <laughs> Bailey Peacock-Farrell, there seem to be rumblings about this potential move to Burnley. He's not played in the most recent friendly. Is that rumbling the sound of a car engine zooming over the Pennines with uh, me at the wheel? No, it's the sound of your uh, fans on your laptop spinning as you cut together another video clip to put on the highlights reel. I'm not going to be getting highlights from Burnley Reserve, so I won't be keeping up with what he's up to. I don't really? believe that for some reason. No, no, not do I. <laughs> well, it will be. Fa- if that happens, it will actually be fascinating. This what, is actually mental, though. Like, five million? How do they get that? We sold I, Janssen for like pretty much the same fee. I made this point some time ago now, back end of last season, and you shot me down and said I was a fool. What point did you make? I probably wasn't listening. I said, would you be surprised if maybe they chose to sacrifice Bailey Peacock-Farrell for a few million? I think I might have even said five million. I can't remember. I think it's the idea of anybody paying five million for him just seems bizarre at this this juncture. You'd but- sacrifice him for free, wouldn't you, So. Probably. <laughs> but it, poor boy. But it's the Premier League millions, isn't it? If, if they've got the millions, then you can afford to stick a couple of million on top of the price that you want because they've got it. Yeah. The sensible version of this is that if that is the fee for him, I don't think Camille Mijic is so much worse than Bailey Peacock-Farrell that we shouldn't take £5 million for him. It could be another John Lukic or David Seaman thing where we let them go as a child and then they come back well and they go and win things and become an England international. John Lukic never did, should have done, should have played way more games than David Seaman. And maybe we get one of them back. Uh, Will there only be one Bailey Peacock-Farrell? What am I trying to say? He might turn out to be brilliant, but at this juncture, I don't care. (laughs) Five million quid for him. And Camille Mizic might be even better. Players come and players go, don't they? It's just that we get attached to some more than others. I think that's probably the fairest way to look at it. Never really got attached to Bailey Peacock, Farrell. Sam Byram to Norwich, they all uh, end up there eventually, don't they? 
I feel sad about Sam Byram's career. It wasn't meant to end like, well, it's not ended, but it wasn't meant to be like this. He's your classic, we'll pass him on the way up type mm. player, isn't he? But he's never actually come down. He's just sort of gurgling around the plug hole at the minute, taking these moves to different clubs, trying to resurrect his career. Mm. Little loan to Forrest last season. I think he ended up doing all right. Certainly Norwich have been impressed to spend, I mean, if Bailey Peacock Farrell's worth 5 million quid, in what world is Sam Byram only worth 750,000? What have West Ham actually done to him? I can't help but think that we broke him in that first season by just playing him loads and it seems like he's never actually been the same since. And Warnock. I th- yeah, I mean, it's another reason to hate Warnock, isn't it? Which- yeah, I do. I, I've had a theory for a while that if uh, Byram in particular, but maybe also Mowat to an extent, Charlie Taylor perhaps, Lewis Cook's done all right apart from his leg being shattered into a million pieces. But if they'd come through at the club where we actually had good managers, Sam Byram would probably have been England's right back at the World Cup. <laughs> That may be overstating it, but he would have been much, much better. I yeah, think a huge amount of potential. Yeah, I think we we uh, we didn't do our best by him. But that's the thing, isn't it? We've done this a few times now, and maybe you could argue if we're going to sell players, do it before they start to realise their potential, and it can go one of two ways. So you could uh, you could argue, say, now maybe we were right, almost like the ends justifies the means. Maybe I think it goes back to what what the rest of the club is like. Like I wouldn't. Uh, like Pochettino has happily sent Jack Clark back because we've got Marcelo Bielsa here and he knows that he's going to be trained really well. Whereas if it was still Neil Warnock here, there is no fucking way that Pochettino would say, yes, oh, he was great with Ross Barkley, really helped his career. Why don't you go and have another season with Warnock? So I think that's a, a big influence. What did Sam Byram learn from Neil fucking Warnock? It's a rhetorical question. We don't need an answer. Absolutely not. One to watch out for though is Danny Rose because if he does leave Spurs, we've got a 10% sell-on fee on anything over a million quid, haven't we? Going to have to start signing players if we keep making all this money. <laughs> Even if we don't need them, if Bielsa doesn't want them, maybe we can sign somebody and not tell him. Yeah, I was just about to say, can we do it sneakily? If we just stockpiling all this money to just randomly buy a man and just put him in the training ground. Disguise him as Berardi. Yeah, see if he notices. And speaking of ex-players, Rob... You have a sighting for us, dear. By the way, just to reset this for the, anybody who's new to the podcast, um, Moscow went to Knottsford in Cheshire into a Costa Coffee. Paul Butler was there drinking hot chocolate, stuffing marshmallows into his face and being a bit leery, wasn't he? Yes, he was. All of these things. So we've opened up our internet channels to you to say, have you spotted somebody somewhere? And you always send loads of good ones in. And Rob, you are here in person to deliver messages and news of a sighting yourself. Yeah, well, it was actually that extra detail about Butler you added last week, just that little additional nugget that it was a bit leery, which mm. struck a note in my mind that uh, the day before the Stoke game last year, the day before the first game of the season, we are having a drink in Leeds in Hedrow House, went upstairs and there was a familiar face sat right by the bar looking very orange, like a, a Phil Brown-esque tan. I don't know where he'd been on holiday. And it turned out it was Gary Kelly and it was supposed to be this sort of character you never see so obscure now he's just hidden away in Ireland somewhere but there he was just sat directly by the bar and uh, it later became apparent why he was sat directly by the bar because by all accounts whenever a girl went to the bar he was just a bit leery shall we say yeah. when you're a footballing millionaire I guess you can afford to go for the scattergun approach can't you and offer to buy every girl a drink it struck me as a very footballer approach did it work for him uh, I didn't hang around long enough okay you didn't go over there and maybe Put on a high-pitched voice. And, heart and you know, I was going to say, pretend you were a woman and uh, get well, a drink out of him. Well, yeah, I mean, it's quite expensive in there, isn't it, at times. So. Could have been handy. <laughs> I did like the one that Tom Holiday sent us uh, via email, which was last week I was at the gym in my local town of Bristol. In walks Joe Jordan in full monographed QPR training kit. So he's a full kit wanker, 
Is Including George. socks, Tom says. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe sock tags, do you think? No, because it's QPR kit. He was going to go over and say hi until he remembered that he squared up to Gattuso when he was coach at Spurs and uh, given that he was surrounded by heavy weights, decided against it. That was still one of the most brilliant matchups, George Jordan versus Gattuso in that game. Gattuso looked, there's a moment where he's thinking, why is this old man fighting with me? And then he looks into his eyes. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> Scrappy do. Yeah. And the other one this week, I suppose lots of people have seen him, particularly in the USA of America, Andy Lonergan playing for Liverpool. Bizarre that, yeah. I mean, I suppose we're back to Bailey Peacock Farrell signing for Burnley um, when, yeah, Andy Lonergan is playing for the Champions League champions against Seville. Uh, Sevilla. Is it Seville or Sevilla? It's Sevilla from Seville, isn't it? <laughs> um, lost 2-1. Quite a, a bit, a tackle that kind of made um, Ashley Young on Adam Forshaw look mild. It was hilarious, that tackle. I know on Twitter you meant to say, oh, if you don't want to see that, it's disgusting. And James Miller sort of went mad afterwards. But it was very funny. It was just so Sunday league that like he just booted him in the shin, basically. But Lonergan was safe. So if we need uh, if we need Loners back, um, if Kiko gets an injury, Peacock Farrell's gone to Burnley and what's he called? Mirzic, the guy I was hailing as the new Polish number one a minute ago, and now I can't remember his name. If he uh, breaks a finger, we may need Lonergan. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way. So you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Let's get the latest right now then on the Blasphemy Baton, a.k.a. the God Rod, which was created by the Lord himself as a test of his own preference. I think that's how it works. Uh, when we played Stoke in January this year, because you know Nathan Jones, their manager, he's right into it. Massive religious fan, uh, likes the Lord, and he uh, attributes his success pretty much to the Almighty rather than his own abilities. So would the Lord prefer Stoke or Leeds? We found out it was Stoke. After that, the God Rod changed hands through victory, defeat, and it finds a new home. It ended the season at Forest. They lost on their Greek tour. Mm. And where is the God Rod now? Which well, one of the many? Greece. Which one of the many deities has it? They uh, they beat Athromitos in their first friendly over there, and then yeah, during the week they played Olympiakos Piraeus, just Olympiakos for short. Who beat them three 0 
which is quite a, a resounding trouncing. And now it's occurring to me, aren't Olympiakos also owned by Nottingham Forest's chairman? Yes. Right. So I don't want to say something like it was fixed, but 3-0 is a very walkover scoreline, isn't it? <laughs> um, anywho, that's a Greek Super League side. They finished second last season and they are now the holders of the God Rod. It's in Greece. And they also have a very proud link up with Leeds, which I never realised in I didn't realise we were so close with Olympiacos. Two of their former players were also two of our former greatest left-backs. I had a quick Google earlier. It turns out Raul Bravo and Didier Domi both played for Olympiacos and Leeds, which is uh, some claim to fame, I think. Yeah, there can't be many players who've done, uh, who've done that. So it's good to know that we there's already a God is shining on them, just as if is not shining on us. Right, so who have they got next? Well, this is the good thing, because we thought we might be losing the God Rod to uh, the Greek Super League, which would have been uh, difficult. <laughs> it would have meant following a league that we hadn't, and it still might, but their next match is on Tuesday the 23rd. Um, it's the first leg of a Champions League qualifier against Czech side Victoria Plzen. That Can I just say, that's Pilsen, by the way, which is where Pilsner comes from. So in essence, they're playing against Lager. Brilliant. Which will explain... So does God like lager? <laughs> Why wouldn't he? I suppose he, he might like wine. It, it wasn't uh, when Jesus fed the 5,000, it wasn't fishes and lager. It was <laughs> fishes and wine. Well, Jesus turned water into wine. Oh, that's what I'm thinking of, wasn't it? Yeah. It's bread and fish. Yeah, and Olympiakos might be about to turn water into... Premium strength Czech lager. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like a, a, a damn fine plan. I'm, I'm rooting for Victoria Pilsen in this. We've only done very limited research on them, haven't we? As is clear. Um, but their dugouts, uh, is it still this massive beer can? This or was, was that just um, a temporary thing? This was a couple of years ago. For some reason, it stuck in my mind. So I was delighted when I saw their team name on the sheet today. But um, I think, yeah, for a, a sponsorship deal, I mean, I thought Huddersfield's Paddy Power sponsorship thing was a bit crass. But I'm going to completely contradict myself here because I think that the fact that Victoria Pilsen have got a massive beer can as their dugout is actually properly ace. And I'd love it to be the same at Leeds. We've got a photo of them here. They look brilliant. It, it's off their Wikipedia page, so you can easily find it. Um, as long as you can spell Pilsen. <laughs> Lovely. And you can also see their wonderful badge there as well. Um, I'm a big fan of their badge. Uh, it's got one of those proper, the football that's on it. Looks like you might have drawn it on your pencil case when you were at school. It's the sort of badge that, you know, like in Royal the Rovers, when Melchester Rovers would be playing a European tie, let's say. That's the sort of badge of the club that they will play. Have you seen if Sam Byram plays a match away for Norwich City next season, have you seen what he'll be wearing? Their, their away kit is basically Melchester Rovers home. It's a bit of a disgrace. They've just completely, I don't know if there's actually going to be a lawsuit, but it is definitely, they're infringing on their intellectual property by just doing the, the red and yellow thing, which I'm not, I suppose I have seen Norwich wearing that in the past, but not in such a Melchester way. They play in yellow. Yeah, it's predominantly red. I don't know who they're going to... I suppose Watford is where they'll, they'll have to wear it, won't they? And apart from that, nowhere. That's got nothing to do with the God Rod. To get back to the God Rod. Uh, again, I was searching for a quick lead link between Leeds and Victoria Pilsen, which remarkably does actually exist. I found that their goalkeeper, apparently, Matis Kozacic, was on trial at Leeds in like 2006, I think Oh, MK, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah, you remember him, don't you? Yeah. Uh, he was sort of our equivalent of Liverpool's Andy Lonergan, I think. We didn't actually sign him, obviously, but he's like 35 now. He's played a few times for Slovakia. So, you know, if Peacock Farrell does go, I'd say get him back in. It's good to have options. And yeah, so the, the Godrod is off into the Champions League and then either the Greek uh, Domestic League or the uh, the Czechoslovakian one, one or the other. Nothing can possibly go wrong. 
Let's pick our heroes and villains now, gentlemen, if we may. First of all, we'll start off with villain. The Ken Bates Villainy Award, conceived for a man who brought us untold misery for a number of years. Named in Ken's honour, and he always gets a spurious nomination at the start of this one. What's he uh, getting it for now? This is very tenuous, but I do tend to conflate uh, the sins of Ken Bates with the sins of Chelsea and all their people. And the reports today are that we wanted to sign a defender, England under-21 skipper Jake Clark Salter, in fact, who I'm sure Clark Salter made scales, like you're getting sweet shops and stuff, don't they? Anyway, um, so we're going to sign the new John Scales, Jake Clark Salter, on loan from Chelsea, but now Frank Lampard is their manager. We can't because he's a dick. And it does seem that that is the reason it's being given is, uh, yeah, we, we just can't sign a player from Chelsea because Frank Lampard is a dick. The sins of the father, and the, I know they're not related, but I'm visiting them upon the child and shooting this back up to Bates. And who was in charge of Chelsea when they signed Frank Lampard? I'm sure it would have been Ken Bates. Let's put it down. Should we put it down to him? Yeah, I think that's fair. Fine, excellent. Well done, everyone, for finding another reason for another week to keep this sorry feature going. Who else do we have? Ashley Young. He's a dickhead. I mean, I'm not much of a against modern football type, but I think it is a genuine disgrace that in modern football, Ashley Young is like the hard man all of a sudden. And I just don't think that is right in any way. I mean, as much as I found that tackle on the Liverpool guy really funny, that was just pointless and just posturing. This I was quite the, glad yeah. that Adam Forshaw sort of called him out on it, I suppose. I was a little disappointed that Forshaw just got up. This is the one, mm-hmm. if you didn't watch the scum friendly, Ashley Young went through Forshaw. In like um, the extra time on in stoppage time. Yeah, because of a perceived slight... It was because if you did you see a couple of minutes earlier, he was complained, oh, this is where it all started. <laughs> they collided on the edge of the box and Ashley Young banged his head. And bearing in mind that their player earlier in the match had basically hit Stuart Dallas around the head accidentally and cut him so that Stuart Dallas had to go off the pitch after minutes of treatment and was tested for concussion and stuff and shook his hand. It was Anthony Marshall. He shook his hand and was like, yeah, that was an accident. Very good peacekeeper, Stuart Dallas. Ashley Young, however, sort of went backwards into Kemar Roof and then stayed down for ages while Leeds carried on playing because we don't put the ball out Oh, now. yeah, I did see that. Did that um, and then when he finally got up, he was gesturing around, like, that guy, elbow, pointing at foreshore, and he was absolutely yelling at him from the side of the pitch. And then, so that was a revenge tackle. But yeah, as you're right, foreshore just got up. But you don't do a revenge tackle in a friendly, especially exactly. when... Forshaw did nothing to him. They did just run into each other. Like Ashley Young kind of took some steps backwards. Forshaw didn't know he was there. Contact is made. Everything's fine. You shake hands, you get on with the game. You, but yeah, coward's trick. Just a bit embarrassing all around. Fine by me as well, because he played in the 2006 playoff final, didn't he, for Watford? <laughs> Unfortunately, what didn't come to pass, Berardi did make his way there because there was a bit of a contretemps and Berardi was steaming in, but Roof basically just put his hand out and says, like, town up no it's not worth it <laughs> it's not, not in pre-season <laughs> yeah but that's what should have been with uh with Ashley Young and the, the we were talking before about the MUTV commentators they were giving it about uh uh there was something going on with the fourth official in our bench and they were all ha, the Leeds bench getting involved with the fourth official well typical Leeds again isn't it and like, yeah Alex Ferguson in 30 years uh who else um Nicholas Perrick who a, a Chilean goalkeeper he has blasphemed it's the only way I can put it he says uh, he likes George St. Powell, who took over Chile after Bielsa, because he knew how to differentiate the moment of the matches. With Bielsa, no. He said there was a big win percentage with how he works, but you know what? When there was a better team in front of him, he always lost. Bielsa did not leave me anything. 
I used to say to the other players, do you not think he treats us like idiots because he didn't know our surnames? He called us Pigeon and Chicken, which I think is wonderful. If the manager is calling our players, if Bielsa is out there yelling at Berardi and Cooper, Pigeon, run left. That's just chicken, what go right. did, wasn't it? Wasn't it the generous and all that? <laughs> the pigeon, the chicken. He was very good again this week on... Um, Oh, we'll say we'll put him in for another hero nomination. I've got time to look it up. Um, he goes on. He he calls uh, Bielsa the idiot. The idiot was always late. Uh, Lucio Benini made the warm ups, and the idiot arrived when everything was ready. And he reckons that the goalkeeping coach uh, ended up so stressed from working with Bielsa that he needed a psychiatrist. Sounds like bollocks to me. It does. It sounds like I suspect that this uh, goalkeeper didn't play very often under Bielsa. Somebody will now probably point out that he was captain every game. I don't know. I'm not a Chilean football expert. 500 caps. But you don't talk that way about God. You don't call him idiots. The idiots. His his nickname is El Loco and he don't like it. But um, I'm sure he prefers it to the idiots. And pigeon and chicken, I'd love to know what he actually calls uh Gianni Alioski <laughs> we've got Lam- Lamrani calling him all the lion and the brave and all that sort of stuff and he's calling him well after minor farm animals should we do uh, Lamrani I don't think we're going to nominate him for a hero again but that he uh, he put his little tribute to Gatano Baradi this week saying that he constantly subordinates his legitimate personal considerations to the imperatives of the collective showing um, I've always said that <laughs> which is a great bit of uh, straight from the communist manifesto all that stuff <laughs> I absolutely love it. And yeah, we used to go sometimes for a coffee together and every conversation was a source of enrichment for me. There was always something to learn from Berardi. I remember telling my great colleague, Ruben Crespo, with whom I shared my office and who made miracles with the injured players, I would like to be the friend of Gatano Berardi. <laughs> and that's a villainy nomination, is it? No, no, not at all. I also like uh, Gatano Berardi. He always expressed an interest in my work, which just made me wonder if he was teaching about... Uh, US Cuban political relations. <laughs> Barani's about to go take up arms and fight the fight the struggle. I mean, we wondered if you know Barani might be transferred this uh, this summer. Well, the players that might be in or out, but if he ends up uh, going getting a teaching position at the Sorbonne, working under Lamrani, I think that would be uh, something we didn't see going. None of this is to do with villainy. It's just it's an aside. Should we get back on message then? Who else? Patrick Bamford can't score goals. Needs to score goals. He's a striker. Score some goals, dickhead. Otherwise you'll get more of it on social media. Have you been tweeting him? 24-7. Have many people been tweeting him? Yeah. Well, really. Because I, I suppose Twitter's a bit of an echo chamber, in it, but I've genuinely only seen people moaning about people, moaning about Patrick Bamford. It's a bit of a mess. And also he was getting booed at York, I believe. Ah, right. Um, certainly there was people telling him there what they thought of his, uh, um, his misses, like missing chances, not... Mrs. Bamford. Um, <laughs> it's, it's probably got to that level though, knowing knowing Twitter. Have we got any more nominees or are we going to pick one out of those? I think we pick one from those. What do you think, Rob? I don't want to give it to Patrick Bamford. I feel sorry for the boy, to be honest. I'm, I'm happy either way with the uh, obscure Chilean goalkeeper mm. or a Man United dickhead. Should we take the opportunity to give it to a scum player? Yes. Yeah, I'm for Ashley Young. They could have their 4-0 win, and also it's retribution for the 2006 playoff final as well. Definitely makes up for it. He's been waiting for it ever since then. (laughs) That's payback for you, Young. In your face. On to the Andy Hughes Hero Award, symbolically named for Andy Hughes, Andrew Hughes these days. Mm -hmm. Somebody who uh, symbolises all the good things about Leeds United, uh, fight and endeavour and passion and all those sorts of things. Who would we like to nominate? Patrick Bamford. (laughs) This is good. Well, he needs some support, doesn't he? People have been mean about him on social media and booing him in matches and having a go at his missus, his like missing chances, not his wife. And um, 
I think we should get behind him because he's going to score those. He's going to score that brace against Bristol, if not a hat-trick to make up for the the roof goal that you're going to be denied in your prediction. And that will be uh, the start of him scoring 30 goals this season and being the hero of our promotion campaign. Get behind the Bamford, I say. He's a lovely lad. Fan of Bamford then? Yeah, love him. Um he, he sums up fight and endeavour to me when I think of Leeds United players. I just think of Patrick Bamford and his nicely coiffured hair. I am looking forward. I hope, I don't know if Salim Lamran has given him a nickname, but I hope he comes up with a little tribute to him. Maybe Patrick. Would that be the pigeon? Would he be the pigeon? <laughs> the way he runs is quite he is, chested, yeah. actually. He is actually, yeah. It's a good spot, is that? I'd like to say happy birthday to Marcelo. It's his 64th birthday yesterday at the time of recording, so he can go in this for, for, for being born. Mr and Mrs Bielsa, actually, I'd like to put in this for... Uh, nine months prior to that, deciding to uh, make sweet love somewhere in Argentina. It's also known as the Rosarian Christmas, Marcelo Bielsa's birthday. Got to celebrate it like Christmas. I'm implying he's Jesus born in Rosario. But the thing is, that could be a thing. I, I was looking at you. Yeah, I, I believe that. <laughs> <laughs> the Rosarian Christmas. We should make it so. Well, this time next year, when we're in the Premier League and he's still our manager, because that's the only way he still will be, uh, we can do that. We'll celebrate. It'll be his 65th and we'll have... Uh, uh, we'll put a tree up in City Square. I like that. I like the idea of that. Pablo Hernandez can go into this as well because that goal was next level shit, I think, as the kids would say. It was wonderfully piss-taking, wasn't it? That, even the way he got the ball off Stevens at the end, it was like, right, just give me it here and I will yeah. do this for you all now. Right, you've all been pissing about now for 94 minutes. Give it to me and I will sort this mess out. He was kind of like that for the whole last 15 minutes of the game. It did just turn into... Um, like he was sick of watching Bamford basically and just like, right, everybody, give me the ball, stay out of this and I will win the game. And uh, yeah, that it took to the, the last seconds only made it more beautiful. He's going to win this award, isn't he? Pablo. Yeah. He would win it every week if I was here every week. So, And it is probably, that's the that was the moment of the Australian tour, um, at least for those of us who, unlike Tyler, weren't there to enjoy it ourselves and unlike your dad didn't get a free t-shirt, we got... I was going to say a free Pablo Hernandez goal, but it was if you paid a five for 12 UTV, then it's not free. We got a moment of joy, maybe the first of many this year. And that's all we asked for. And this is about somebody who's brought us joy. So congratulations, Pablo Hernandez. So we've just made a discovery whilst we're recording this. Are we playing now? We're playing a first team friendly behind closed doors. Was this meant to happen? I don't know. Nobody seems to have known about it until there was uh, some pictures on Twitter of some uh, very serious looking fellas hanging around at Thorpe Arch. All the bosses are wearing suits and sunglasses and the lads in the team seem to be wearing yellow shirts. It's Al Itihad from, I don't know exactly. I'm going to guess at Qatar. I'm going to guess there's a link with Aspire Academy. I might be wrong. Does this mean we're being taken over? I mean, that's got to be, it's not even worth checking Twitter to see that that is obviously Or is this why Radrizani was meeting with Qatar, KSI, whatever it is? We're wrong. They're from Saudi Arabia, so that's um, probably not great. <laughs> I mean, which is your preferred human rights atrocity, Saudi Arabia or Qatar? What are you, what are you vibing? Mm, Who's richer? I mean, that's all that matters, isn't it? Well, these guys, uh, there is a team sheet. It's supposed to be a first team friendly. They have put a team sheet up, but it is in Arabic. And it's a JPEG as well, so we can't translate a JPEG. Although it is possible. But yeah, so do, but there, there's also a score, which is 4-2 to Al Itihad. <laughs> there's a game and there's a score. Yeah, a game and a score. They've, they've not I mean, named this, our, this is some cutting edge analysis. This if we want, uh, we can give the story of the match. 
I'd ra- honestly, I'd rather we didn't. We only know their, the timings of their goals are four minutes, 19, 30 and 43. Four different scorers. It doesn't give the timings for our goals, however. So I don't know if we went two up, whether we were four nil down. What's, what's the what? Uh, no sign either of a final score. Far as I can tell, I've already stopped caring already <laughs> as you've started delivering that. It's detail. Leeds United football, and it does say apparently Marcelo Bielsa was due to be attending straight back off the plane to Australia, <laughs> up to Thorpe Arch to see us playing. Head down for 20 minutes in his office, and off we go again. <laughs> nope, that would have been 20 minutes. He could have been watching a highlights package from. Uh, oh, right. No, I can see there's some photos from the game. I can see Helder Costa. I guess it won't be any of the lads who've been to Australia. Alioski's playing. Somebody's wearing eights, but he's got his back to us. Don't know who. Uh, yeah. This, so, and then some Moscow, Ben White's playing as Moscow, well. Moscow, this is bollocks. It's the players who were left behind, isn't it? This is bollocks. <laughs> Can we move on? We've got Cagliari as well, haven't we? And is we that played? bollocks? Are you calling that bollocks? No, just your analysis there. Are we, I'm are doing we, my best. And we're playing at Man City's Academy against Girona again. Is that Samu Saez's team? Uh, yes. Have these he, fixtures been made up? He was, they played Bournemouth at the weekend. Uh, they beat Bournemouth. He was on the bench. I couldn't work out if he came on or not. <laughs> right. Let's not try go any further with this. This is the worst section we've ever recorded. But anyway, interesting to play at Man City's Academy. They do quite a lot there because they've got that little mini stadium, haven't they? And like, I remember when Chris Wood signed for Burnley, his medical was there. They must do the medicals there at the, uh, at the facility. So what we're going to build once we've got that Saudi Arabian money from Al Itihad. That's why we're letting them win. <laughs> this is Beeston. Redevelop it at your leisure. Go for it. Um, so I guess we'll find out next time out then uh, all about these friendlies. Uh, check everything out that you need on the website. We've got our uh, digital copies of the summer special on there on sale right now. And we also have subscriptions for this forthcoming season, digital or paper, take your pick. And the extra ball as well. If you want to get behind what we're doing here, look it up on the website. Everything you need is at the squareball.net. Unless you need the result of Leeds versus Al Ithihad. In which case, you're on your own. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next time. The Square Ball Podcast. Podcast.